Here at Faith Church, we think it's important that we take faith and we apply it to everyday life. That you can go to a lot of churches and get a lot of confusion when you walk out with messages that really don't apply to day to day. Not that it's not relevant. Not that it doesn't have meaning. But today, we just want to answer some questions that everybody's asking. Through this series, Games Families Play, we're going to kind of tackle the big dynamic of family because we know the family is sticky. Family's difficult. Even though family, we want, we want family, we have family, we want to figure out really how to do family in a way that's healthy, in a way that moves us forward in our relationships. And so that's the purpose of this series. And so I hope you came today with some questions. And, but I just want you to know this on the front end, that all of your questions will not be answered today. Here at Faith Church, we think in terms of series and not sermons, which means there's information that we're going to give today. There's things that I'm going to say today that um, may give you more questions and answers. But we want to encourage you, keep coming back through this series. Keep coming back week after week. And I just believe that ultimately God is going to help you. He's going to help and show up in your family that through this information, through these messages, through your application, through God's grace, that you can have a better family than you have. We're just one of the things that we believe here at Faith Church is that we believe that with God, all things are possible. Now, that means the mess in your house. That means the challenges in your marriage. That means the, the, the chasm between you and your kids. It means kind of whatever's going on. We just believe that, that God has a way of showing up and changing and doing miraculous things in our lives. And so that's our hope. So, again, come back through this series. Next week, we're going to talk, um, talk about the game of sorry. We're going to deal with conflict and arguments and quarreling inside of homes. How many people are dealing with some quarreling and arguments in your home? About four of you, all the rest of you are liars. That's great. Great place to be on a Sunday morning, all you liars. You came to church. That's awesome. Uh, we're going to talk about week three. We're going to talk about raising kids, and we've decided to go after the game trouble because raising kids is a lot of trouble, and if you don't raise them right, they're a lot of trouble. Woo! Come on, somebody. So it's going to be a great series. We're going to hit marriage. We're going to talk about a lot of things. But today, today, we're going to kind of take the 30,000-foot view. And so, again, we're not going to kind of get into the micro stuff. Just want to take a glance over kind of what family looks like. And, again, we're kind of using this topic, um, games, families, play. Uh, I'm going to be very open and honest through this series, especially beyond this week. But I'm just going to be transparent about me and my home and my struggles. And so... You know, most of you who attend here know that I'm an, always an open book. Like, what you see is what you get. I don't pretend to be something else and talk something else here and live something else. This is who I am. Um, so sometimes my family doesn't like that I'm open with our stories. And so I've already instructed our security team, if they try to rush the straight stage because I'm sharing stories, to tackle them right down front. So <laughs> if you see a, a, a young girl rush the stage and someone tackle her, just don't pay attention. Just pay attention to me. So listen, uh, games, how many, people are, how many people like to play board games or like to play games, car games? Give me some love. Come on, everybody. That's awesome. Well, uh, listen, everybody knows this, whether it's a board game, whether it's a car game, whatever it is, every game kind of is the same. When you open up the instructions, all the instructions are pretty much laid out the same way. They all have kind of these three components. They all have the setup, the gameplay, and the goal, right? So you're trying to figure out how to play the game. You open it up for the first time, and, and you get the setup. Kind of how to get the game rolling, like who gets what cards, who gets what amount of money. Then you have right the gameplay, how it flows, and then you have the goal. I want to just kind of hit this right out of the gate because for all of us, when we think about our family, we think about the game of life, each of us have a setup. Now some of us, and well, I'm going to take that back, all of us in this room, at some level, we didn't have any choice in our setup. 
right? Most of us were born into a setup. You were, you were born into a family. You were born into, right, a stepdad or a stepmom. You were born into the family you have, the parents you have, the brothers and sisters you have. So a large part of our family, we had no choice in the setup. In fact, a lot of us growing up, if we had a choice in the setup, how many people remember you would have picked your friend's house to be your family? <laughs> like, remember, no one, like, loved, like, everybody loved your family, but you loved their, like, I wish I, I, wish I lived with them, you know, because, you know, they, they don't have any chores, they don't have any responsibilities, like, their dad looks like a lot of fun, you know, they, they eat cereal for dinner, and, like, I wish I could live there. And, but, so we have no choice, we don't have a lot of option in the origin of our family, but I want to say this, in the setup, if you're here and you're a college student, you're a young student, you're a high school student, and you might think out of the gate, you know, I don't really know how much this is going to contribute to me talking about families. I just want you to know out of the gate that this is a great opportunity because in large part, you've not been dealt your cards yet. And you can kind of take some of this in and you can decide up front what you want your family to look like and you can move and plan and pray that direction. But here's what I know about most of us in this room. Most of us in this room, we already have our setup. Like you've already been dealt your cards. And, and we, got, we got second marriage setups. We got some third marriage setups. We got some single dad setups. We, we got some adopted kid setups, right? We got stepkid setups. All over this room, everybody has a different setup. Everybody in this room, you have a different family dynamic. And so the setup has already been taken care of. But the gameplay, right? When you open the instructions, basically the gameplay, it's the rules. And without rules in anything, there's chaos. And so it's important as we talk about family, we kind of talk about like what the game should look like. How do we play the game of family? How do we make it work? Because ultimately we want to get to the place where we're trying to reach our goal. We're trying to reach our goal. Our goal, go back for me. Our goal, our goal is kind of how we, it's how we win the game. It's what it looks like. It's, it's like how do we know when we got there? And here's, here's the big thing. Here's what I want you to hear. Is the gameplay, the gameplay gets you to your goal. So this is so important right out of the gate. Nobody in this room with your current setup can probably change the setup. But I want you to know that it's not, your, it's not your setup that gets you to your goal. It's your gameplay, which means no matter where you are, no matter what your family's like, no matter what your current struggles, I want everybody in this room, and this was my prayer going into this series, as your pastor or if you're visiting as a pastor, my prayer is that there are people in this room that will, that will experience significant life and family change through God's grace. That God, through your gameplay, that we're going to help come up with strategies together, that God is going to help you reach your goal. And I believe the goal for every family in this room should be happily ever after. Now, I, I know you might be far from that. I know you think that could never happen for you. It could never happen in your marriage. Like you and your kids are always at each other, and you, you could never get there. But nonetheless, that's absolutely where we're going to go. And so here's a couple pictures. Again, we think about this games families play. We think about getting to our goal. Let me just kind of set some, some, of the role, some of the rules, some of the gameplay. I think every family in this room, I think every family in this room should, should look like a couple different things. I think every family in this room on some level should look like a church. Should look like a church. Here's Some of you guys have heard this before. Families that pray together, come on, families that pray together do what? They stay together. I just think that every healthy family should have some spiritual component where God's a part of it. Like, it doesn't mean you have to have revival services and dad's got like a tambourine, like leading worship service. Come on, kids. 
It doesn't mean that. It doesn't mean every night you got to crank out the family Bible. It, I mean, there's, there's place for Scripture. But it just means that like God's the center of that house. Like God in our faith, it's, it's, it's like values are not abstract and independent. Like there's a source for our values. There's a source for what we believe. That, that like because our home and family should have this church component, like it kind of determines how we treat each other. Like what entertainment we like allow in our home, like different things like that. And I, all of us are going to express that different. But I think in order to be healthy, to get to our goal, this is part of what our gameplay should look like. Here's another picture. I think not only should our families look like a church, I think our families should look like a hospital. How many people have figured out that life, and I know nobody's going to like this, life sucks. Help me somebody. It's just difficult. Life's not easy. It, it is very challenging. We face a lot of uphill battles. I know this about students. I know that, that and, and you could be the most popular kid in school, but I know for students that you face a lot of pressure from your peers, and there's a lot of bullying that goes on, and, and a lot of kids come home, and like they couldn't figure out the math lesson, and they feel like the dumb kid in the class, and every kid goes through it, and like you go, you leave in the morning, and like you face a lot of defeat, and a lot of discouragement, and people pick on you, and people make fun of you, and we do it in jest, but we call each other names, and, and I'm just telling you that for everybody in this room, listen parents, your kids need you to do this, families that hooray together, Stay together. Like, we need to cheerlead each other. We need to encourage each other. And not just kids. I'm just telling you, dads and moms that work jobs, and, and they got bosses that are hard to work for, and they're in a, just trying to do a tough job and, like, trying to put food on the table. Like, I, everybody, we know this, that life is very difficult, and so one place that we can find a refuge, one place where we can find people on our side, one place that there should be somebody high-fiving us, come on, guys, if it happens anywhere, it should happen inside of our family. And so here, here's another one. Here's another picture for, for our families. I, I think every family should look a little bit like a playground. Every family should have some fun. In fact, we say this way, families that play together, come on, say it, families that play together, stay together. If your household is like real high tension and there's always arguing and always bickering and all, like, no, listen to me, nobody wants to be in a home where you can consistently cut the tension with a knife. And so what we need to do is we need to work together to make sure that our home, if it doesn't happen anywhere else, that, that we have some fun at home, that we play some games at home, that we laugh together at home. I, I love, one of my favorite things in life is to laugh with my wife, laugh with my kids, wrestle with my son like he's getting bigger so he thinks he's getting tougher, but every now and then I've got to put him in his place and child services get involved. It's a whole messy thing. But, you know, my daughters come home. My, our, our daughters are 20 and 18 years old. And they come home and wrestle with their mom. And I'm like, listen, you're going to hurt your mom. I have to live with her. Y'all are leaving soon. Like, let her go. You know, it's like stretch Armstrong. They're pulling her to pieces. But we laugh together and we have fun together. In fact, on a regular basis, we play games together. In our house, we play games together. We started playing a game. Is anybody uh, familiar with this game, Monopoly Deal? This is, if, I know, not a lot of hands. Right here, you're missing life. Jesus shows up, or the devil, one or the other, when you play this game. This is a great game. You can play it in about 15 minutes. Here's a picture. We started playing this about a month ago. Played it the first night as a family, and I'm just telling you, I whooped everybody, owned it, put everybody to bed crying that night. The next day, my son's like, Dad, come on, let's play some Monopoly deal. He beat me four games in a row. He's grounded still. But 
After the third game, I said, Zach, do you want to play another one? This, this is what he said. He's like, he said, oh, yeah, I'm feeling pretty confident. <laughs> but the point is, is this, is that in our house, we have responsibilities, and, and we, have it, we have tension, and we, we have, but we want in our house, we, we want it to be a hospital. We want it to be a church. We want it to be a playground. And so I, I want to give a couple of these ways. Anybody here, any family would like some family time and would like to play this? Come on, lift your hand up. Come on, guys. We got a couple for you. We got some people coming in. Lift your hand up. We'll put one of these in your hands. Come on, everybody. You got to make some noise if you want a card game. Jason, right here, buddy. All right, all right, all right. So listen, if you didn't get one, we have one for everybody in this house. You're getting a deck, and you're getting a deck, and you're getting a deck. Listen, if you're a family, maybe even you're single, we want to make sure that... As, as a church, we give a lot of stuff away here. And if you're like on an outside, like, man, it's ex-, like they give a lot of stuff away. It's expensive to do what we do. But we believe, I want you all to hear this. We believe in investing resources, in helping families, and helping couples, and helping people be successful. We believe in helping to resource you. And so on your way out, there are tables at every exit outside. You can grab a deck of cards. If you have really, the, the deck I just showed you, Monopoly Deal, you can play that if you have kids six and seven and up, you can play that game. If you have really small kids, we have some smaller decks, old maids, go fish. Grab a deck of cards and determine that you're going to have some fun in your house. Start setting a game day. Amen? Here's the last one, and here's why I want to spend a little bit of our time today, is the last picture is I think we should, in our family, it should look like a work site. And here's what I want to say is families, come on, read it. Families that obey together, stay together. Is that... Here's what I want you to think about. Think about your family as a work site. And on every work site, everybody has a different role. Everybody has a different function. Not everybody's a finished carpenter. Not everybody does framing. Not everybody's the foreman. Everybody has a different function in a different role. But as they pull together, they build something really amazing. And, and here, here's what I want you to know in your family. Is the difference between having a family and being a family is the same difference between having a house, and having a home. Just because you have a house doesn't mean it's a home. And just because you already have your setup of the family, just because you have your second wife living with you, or you're single and your kids are in your home, or maybe it's your first marriage and you're trying to navigate it, just because you are a family doesn't mean you really like are the family you can be. But if you'll work at it, if you'll invest in it, if you'll do what God wants you to do, because here's what I want you to know, is our roles help us to reach our goals. Everybody say that. Our roles help us to reach our goals. That if you'll find out what your role is, if you'll figure out what your role in the family is, and you'll work at your role, like it's like a job site, that if you'll do kind of those things and you'll work that out, I just believe this. Guys, I'm telling you, I believe with all of my heart that every family in this room can go to another level, that your relationships with your wife, your husband, your kids, whether they're out of the house or in the house, that your relationship, if you'll understand your role and you'll do it, you can go to another level. And so I want us to look for a few, at a few minutes today at some scripture that helps us define our role. Now, I'm just going to tell you, I'm going to warn you out of the gate. If you're not familiar with these scriptures, these are very old-fashioned. They're going to seem very old-fashioned. They're going to seem kind of traditional. In fact, as we read these roles from scripture, you might think, well, that sounds like something my grandma would say, or that sounds like something you know, my parents did. 
But as we look at Scripture, this might seem old-fashioned, but at the time it was given, it was really new information. But here's, this is so big, because here's what you have to keep in context as we read these Scriptures, is it was up until the time of Jesus, men and women, I'm sorry, women and children were very much second-class citizens. Like men were in charge, they were in charge of the world, they were in charge of the money, they were in charge of the home. And oftentimes women and oftentimes their children were treated as property. They were treated as slaves. Jesus came along. So I want you to get this before we read these scriptures. Jesus comes along and Jesus lays down his life, not for men, not for a certain class of people, not for a certain race of people. When Jesus died, Jesus died for all men of all races of all times. When Jesus died on the cross, here's what he did. He equalized men, women, and children and said, in my eyes, they all have the same value. Y'all got to listen to this. That means in your home, if you're a Christ follower, at least in the eyes of God, your child has the same value as you do as the man of the house. You're not better than him. You're not more important than him in the eyes of God, in the value of God. When God said, hey, he's so important, I'm going to die for him. But you know what? The child is so important, I'm going to die for him. And so this is not about value. Our value has already been defined by God. But this is our roles. Everybody say roles. Here's the roles that God gives us. I love these. I love my first one. Like, we can just end here, honestly. Everybody read this with me. Children, obey your parents. Isn't that a beautiful scripture? If there's ever been a verse less fulfilled, less honored, Lord help them. Children, obey your parents. Watch this, because you belong to the Lord. For this is the right thing to do. Keep going. Honor your father and your mother. And this is the first commandment with promise. So God steps in again. He, he defines the roles of children. Now, again, re- remember, it doesn't, mean your, it doesn't mean your parents. It doesn't mean your parents, right? In, in, God's, odd, in, in, in God's eyes, we're all the same. But what, what he's saying is, listen, if, if you're a child... This is your role in the home, in the context of family relationship, and it doesn't matter what age you are. If you're 5, 15, or 35, as long as you have parents, your goal is to obey them and to honor them. And the word honor, this is, this is so good. I can preach this because my kids are here. It, it, it means to ascribe, ascribe a prize value. Because how many people know that when you're a teenager, you think your parents are dumber than a box of rocks? Like they don't know anything. Like we're, I'm way smarter than you. When you honor your parents, come on, if you're, if you're a kid here, if you're, if, you, if you're a child here, what God is saying is your role is, is to see that your parents have value. Now, you may not recognize that value. You may not feel they have value, but it's your job to ascribe them value and say, they, maybe they know more than me and they're further along. They have more wisdom than I do. And so because of who they are and because of what God's called me to do, my role is to honor my parents. Let's keep going. This, this is a good one too. I like this one. Just, just going to touch it. <laughs> honey, honey, read it with me right down here on the front row. Wives, come on, read it. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting for those who belong to the Lord. Now, again, I know this, is, I know this seems old-fashioned, but, but this does not mean, let me just tell you what this does not mean. This does not mean that wives are floor mats to tyrants. This does not mean, God is not saying that wives are intended to be slaves to slave drivers. When the word tells us, when God gives women, come on, women, this is, this is for all of you, for wives, this is all of you, your role inside of the context of family 
is to submit, which means that you're to come alongside of your husband and to support him as the leader of the home. I, I, know, I know that's old. I know that seems like an old way of thinking. But God, who designed the family, said, hey, this is your role. And, 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 and that means that it doesn't mean you're less. God already said you're equal. Women, you are not less. You are equal to your husband. It's kind of like, you know, pilots in a plane. There's a pilot and a co-pilot. They can both land the plane. They can both fly the plane. But ultimately, the co-pilot listens to the pilot. And just because, listen, just because your husband has been given the role of the, as the leader and wives are called to submit, it doesn't mean your husband's perfect. That's a great place for all the women to say amen. But listen, there's no authority that you ever submit to in this world that's perfect. Your boss isn't perfect, but you still submit to him. You still do what he calls you to do or she calls you to do, right? We know that that authorities in this world, police authorities, they're not always perfect, but we're called to submit. God tells us in Romans 13 that every authority, every authority has been set in place by him. You may not agree with President Obama or if Trump gets in or Hillary gets in, you may not agree with him. doesn't matter. We are called to submit to those authorities. And so listen, wives, your role is to submit to your husband. Keep going. Watch this. Not, go to the next verse. I don't like that verse. <laughs> That's a dumb verse right there. Husbands, come on, read it with me. Come on, all you men. Husbands, love your wives and never treat them harshly. Again, so the Bible's saying, okay, come on, men, men. Men, listen. Husbands, listen. This is your role. If your home, if your family is going to be successful, this, you have to say, that's my role. And the role is to love your wives. Now, We've talked about this before, but in the original language of the Bible, the New Testament was written in Greek. In the Greek language, there's lots of different words for love. And when we say love, like we can use love as a lot of things. Like we love, we love, we love some college football. And we love pepperoni pizza. And I love my wife. I love God. And it sounds like they're all equal. But in the Greek, there's different ways to describe love. And this word right here is the highest love. It's, it's the same love. This is so big. The love that husbands are to have for their wives is the same love that Jesus has for us, which means it has nothing to do with their behavior. It has to do with our choice. See, if you're commanded to do something, that means you have a choice whether you do it or not. And so husbands, when God commands us to love our wives, that means it's not about a feeling. It's about a choice. There's a story of a man who went to see his pastor and said, Pastor, I know you're going to be disappointed in me. I know you're going to be upset, but I just want to let you know that I'm divorcing my wife. He said, well, I'm, I'm sorry to hear that. I, you know, I am disappointed to hear that's your decision. I just want you to know as your pastor, because you've decided to be a Christ follower, that that's not really an option for you. You need to repent. You need to go home, and you need to love your wife. He said, Pastor, I don't, I don't think you understand what, what I just said. Like, like I, just, I don't know if I can really do it anymore. In fact... You know, I just don't want to. And he said, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what you feel. It doesn't matter what you want. He's saying, the Bible says, God's word says, your role in the home is to love your wife. And the guy said, no, pastor, I, I don't think you get it. Like, we're in the home, but like, we don't even really talk much anymore. Like, we're kind of distant. We're pulling apart. He said, okay, I understand. So we just need to go to a different form of love. So if you can't, if you don't feel like you can love your wife, then Jesus commands us to love our neighbors. So if you can't love her as your wife, you at least need to love her as your neighbor. Okay, pastor, I just got to be honest. Like, I can't stand her. Like, when we're together, we fight and bicker and argue, and like, I just, I can't even stand to be around her. He said, okay, I, I hear you. 
So you need to go to a different form of love. You can't love your neighbor. Jesus told us as Christ followers, we're to love our enemies. So if you view her as your enemy, then you just need to love her as your enemy. Okay, pastor, like I, I just got to be honest. Like I, I have no romantic feelings towards her at all. Like I just can't do it. He said, I'm going to tell you what you need to do. He said, you're talking about romantic love. God's telling us as husbands and telling you that you need to love your wife unconditionally, not about feelings. It's about a decision. He says, so here's what I want you to do. I want you to go home and I want you to make, make a list of five things that you would do to and for your wife if you were romantically inclined to do so, and then just do them in spite of how you feel. He said, I can't do that. That's hypocritical. And he said, no, hypocrisy, hypocrisy is acting contrary to your beliefs. When you behave contrary to your feelings, that's obedience. Come on, somebody. That means in spite of how we feel. Husbands, we're called to love our wives. And here's the funny thing. Watch this last part. It says, read this with me, and never treat them harshly. Now, this is so important because, again, at that time, wives were considered property. And so husbands were absolutely okay at yelling at them or divorcing them or demeaning them or beating them. And so Paul comes along out of the teachings of Jesus and says, hey, you know what? Don't treat your wife harshly. Men, listen to me. Men here, don't treat your wife harshly. Don't, don't call them names. Don't raise your voice. Like, don't treat them like an animal. There's a story of a, of a guy, right, old-timer rolling down the street in a, in a horse and buggy. He's got his bride next to him, and they're rolling down the street, and his favorite horse, like, kind of trips, hits a rock, and he looks at the horse, and he says, hey, hey, that's once. Whoosh. Like, they keep rolling down. His wife doesn't say anything, and the horse stumbles again in a, in a pot. He's like, hey, that's twice. And like a few minutes later, like the horse stumbles again, he takes out a pistol and shoots his horse. And the wife's like, oh my gosh, what are you doing? And he looked at her and he said, that's once. <laughs> like, no. So listen to me, listen, listen. Come on, men, listen. Our role, come on, say it with me. Our role, husbands, read it, shout it. Husbands, love your wives and never treat them harshly. Keep going, next verse. Fathers, do not aggravate your children. When I read this, I'm like, I'm out of things to do then. <laughs> this is so big. This is, this is so big. I want you to notice, everybody, don't miss this. Notice it doesn't say parents, do not aggravate your children. This is truth. It says fathers, and here, here's why. It's because mothers, they do have a very natural mothering instinct that fathers don't have. And it's very easy for fathers, guys, hear me, because I have been there, I have done that, and still, unfortunately, do this, that I aggravate, I provoke my children. What it means to provoke your children is to put more on them, to put more expectations, to put, to put more on them in the way you talk to them, in the way that you treat than their young, fragile egos can handle, and you crush them. And here's why Paul says fathers and not fathers and mothers is because, moms, you know what? Your words weigh 50 pounds. Dads, your words weigh 500 pounds. I'm just telling you. Moms can say something to a kid that if a dad says it, it'll crush your daughter. It'll crush your son. So he says, hey, hey, dads, listen. Hey, dads, I want you to know something. Fathers, do not aggravate your children. Watch this, or they'll become discouraged. So here's the summary. For all of us, again, our roles help us reach our goals. Here's for all of us in this room. Here's our roles. For all the moms, dads, husbands, wives, and kids, read it with me. In summary, husbands love your wives. Wives submit to your husbands. Children obey your parents. And fathers don't irritate your children. Let's pray and go home. Like, go, go do it. 
Now, here's the crazy thing is, is when we read this, at least when I read it, here's what I read. Like, I block that. I'm like, my wife, she needs to submit to me, and my kids need to listen to me, and they need to honor me. How many people, when you read this, you read everyone else's roles, and you didn't see your own roles? Like, as, as if you're a wife, you see what, you, he needs to be loving me. And if I'm reading these roles to you, you're like, Pastor, you don't know my husband, and you don't know how he treats me. And Pastor, like, you don't know my wife. She's so disrespectful to me, and my kids don't honor me. I just want you all to hear this. Listen, listen. You need to know their role, but you need to own your role. Like, if you're so caught up in what they're doing and how they're doing it, listen to me. Listen, listen, listen. If you don't hear anything else I say the rest of the series, you can tune me out right here. You will not be held accountable for how other people fulfill their roles. What you are accountable for is how you fulfill yours. So I'm just telling you, listen, wives, your husbands may not always love you the way God's word says. Your children may not always honor you and submit to you and obey you the way they should. Wives, come on, listen, husband, I want you to know your wife may not always support you as the leader of the home, may not always come and really give you the honor that you want. And wives, you may not always get the love you want, but it doesn't matter what God calls us to in our roles to help us reach our goals is for all of us, but if we don't have control over everybody, just over ourselves, that you need to know their role, but you need to own your role. So here's, 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 here's where it gets a little sticky, is really to live this stuff out all the time is kind of the ideal. It's the perfect, and how many people know we don't live in a perfect world? If we lived this all the time, there wouldn't be second marriages in here, and there wouldn't be third marriages in here, and there, there wouldn't be kids without dads in here, and there wouldn't be stepkids in here, or, be step parents in here because here's the deal is there's a gap between the ideal and the real there's a gap between what we should do and what we actually do and Jesus he talks about this all the time and as I get ready kind of to to wind third today and round it and kind of head home I want you to really hear this because this is so important don't forget that these are our roles but Jesus when he lays these roles out and when God's word defines our roles again there's this gap between what's real and what's ideal what God wants us to do and sometimes what we actually do and Jesus, he deals with this tension in all of our homes all the time. Like, okay, husbands, this is what I want you to do, but sometimes you're here. Wives, this is what I want you to do, but sometimes you're here. In fact, Jesus, he goes through all the time, and he raises the standard of how we should live. Listen, if you're a Christ follower, grace is not an excuse to disobey. Grace is not an out, get out of jail free card to abandon your role. And so Jesus comes and he says, hey, here's the role. And he's very comfortable giving us the roles. In fact, he says this, and you can read it. He does this over and over and over, where he raises the standard and makes us all see that sometimes we don't make it. In fact, here's a great example, Matthew chapter 5, verse 27. Everybody read this with me. He says, you have heard the commandment that says you must not commit adultery. Now, I, I would hope not many people, I, I, I'd like to say nobody, but this is a big church. I'd like to believe that most of us, the majority of us, have never committed adultery. And so the bar is, hey, hey, nobody sleep with anybody else's husband or wife. Like, we, we can do that, right? Like, hey, just, is that, isn't that crazy? Like, we look like, for real, God, I can't just sleep with? That's the bar. But then Jesus raises the bar, and watch what he says. But I say, come on, read it. Anyone who even looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. So Jesus says, here's the bar, here's the role, here's the expectation. <laughs> and he says, listen, I'm going to raise the bar. 
If you've even looked at a woman in lust, you've already committed adultery in your heart. Now, I can't speak for women, but I'm just telling you, when Jesus said this, oh, come on, men, you got to help me. He made adulterers out of every single one of us in this room. Please raise your hand. Please help me. He said, listen, you're all jacked up. So the, the role, the goal, the bar is don't commit adultery. But then he says, every one of you has committed adultery. He said, well, which is it? Can we commit adultery or, or can't we? What's the rule? And the answer is yes. There is a tension between when Jesus came, the Bible says he came in truth and grace, which means he has a standard for all of us to live, especially in the context of family. And even though we may not always achieve that, here's what Jesus did. Jesus came and he preached truth, but he refused to condemn those who fell short of it. And so people are looking at Jesus like, well, okay, we've, we've all committed adultery. What are you going to do? Are you going to call lightning down from heaven? Are you going to, like, what are you going to do? Like, Jesus, how are you going to judge us? And Jesus says, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to die for you. I'm going to give you grace. Which means, this is so important, which means God has already given us roles that we have and we will continue. I, as a husband, I, as a father, will not always reach the goal I'm striving for. When I fall short and when you fall short, there is always grace available in Jesus. But just because we fall short is not an excuse to live short, which means if you have been harsh with your wife, there's grace available, but God taught us to love our wives. If you're here and you're like, Pastor, I'm already past that, like we've already divorced and like I can't turn back time, I want you to know that the goal is to not divorce. That's the standard. If you've already had a divorce, there is grace available. But just because there is grace available doesn't mean, listen, this doesn't mean that we should redefine the role. You cannot redefine what God has predefined. Let me tell you what culture wants for everyone in this room. What culture wants for us is culture wants us to move the bar down from the ideal to the real. You're divorced, no big deal. Like, you got stepkids, no big deal. Like, your parents, they don't like, like, they treat you wrong, and so you disrespect. Like, it's okay, like, every, every kid yells at their parents. Like, that's just the real, and it's okay. And husbands, like, you know, you, you and your wife don't get along. You guys yell at each other, and she doesn't really show you any kind of honor, and you don't show her any kind of life. That's okay, because it's happening everywhere. What culture wants for us is to lower the bar and make what's ideal, make, make what's real ideal. Like, just everybody does it. And I'm just here to tell you that none of us in this room are always living the ideal, but if we're going to have the family God wants us to have, we got to push the boundary to get to the place and say, I want to be the husband I want to be, that God wants me to be. I want to be the father God wants me to be. Come on, wives, I want to be the wife God wants me to be. I want to be the child God wants me to be because, God, when I embrace my role, I can get to my goal. And together, if we're doing this, God can give us our happily ever after. Does anybody here want that? then you got to own your role. we got to get to the place, again, where we are owning our role. And so Jesus, again, man, he consistently points to this place where he's like, hey, there's the ideal. And so today, as we close this message, I just want to ask you this question. Men, I'm not asking how your wife's doing. I'm not asking how your kids are doing. I'm asking you, how are you doing loving your wife? How are you doing not aggravating your children. If you're a wife in here, your mom in here, how are you doing with your kids? It's not about anybody else's role. This is about your role. And I ultimately want to be able to say, God, I, I, 
like I struggled, I did, I fell short at times. But God, I'm going to keep striving. I'm going to keep striving. I'm going to keep striving. So today's the day. Here's the challenge. If you've been playing the game wrong the whole time, today's the day you can make a decision, I'm going to start playing the game the right way because I want to win. I'm just telling you. In my hope, in my heart, is, is this week and next week and next month that like I start getting emails and personal messages and you all start... Pastor Steve, man, you would not believe what God's doing in my home. You would not believe how God's restoring my relationship with my kids. You wouldn't believe how God's restoring my marriage. Because I believe, man, if, if we'll get back to how God's defined a family, how God has defined. Because listen to me, God is not going to move his standard to support what culture wants. God's going to keep the standard and he's going to give us, this is so big, God's going to give us the strength to live up to it and the grace when we miss it. But there's strength available to be the husbands, be the fathers, be the mothers, and be the kids that he's called us to. And so today, as we get ready to close, I want to pray with every one of you in this room. And I just want to pray, husbands, that today's the day, man, you're going to raise the bar. And wives, you're going to raise the bar. And kids, you're going to raise the bar. And I promise you, I promise you that your family will start to get better and stronger and healthier than it's ever been if you'll embrace your role. If you're here and you're saying, Pastor Steve, like, you know, I don't know if I buy into that. Like, I, like, I'm new to church, and, like, that seems very traditional. That seems very old school. Here's what I know. Last thing, everybody pull in. I promise you, you might think it seems traditional, and you might think you don't really want it, but I promise you, every one of you in this room, that's what you want for your kids. If you've been divorced, you are not a second-class citizen. There is grace, like you're still God's child, but I promise you, there's no one that's ever been divorced that wants divorce for their kids. It's not. Nobody that has stepkids wants that. Like, I'm t- it might be working for you, and I'm not telling you, again, you're a second, but I'm saying what God has defined, that should be our goal. And because we may not have it, and we've convinced ourselves we don't want it, it's still what we want for our kids. It's still what we want for our grandkids. Because there's something in us that knows, like, that's it. That's what family should be like. That's what family should look like. And so this week, I want you to embrace your role, and I want you to see what God will do to help you fulfill your goal. Father, in the name of Jesus, I'm thankful today, God, for every person in this room. And Lord, I would never presume, God, to know the complications and the challenges and the difficulties in the dynamic of every family represented here. But God, I know that you know. And Lord, I know that your grace is enough. And so, Father, I pray that you would help us, God, individually, to help us get our eyes off of how our other family members are behaving. Help us get our eyes off of what other people are doing. And Lord, I pray every one of us in this room, that fathers and mothers, husbands and wives and children, that you would help us individually embrace our roles and you would help us to reach our goal. In Jesus' name, and everybody who agreed said amen. Come on, can we thank God today?